Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Maureen Towns, and I'm your host. And today, I had the pleasure of interviewing my good friend, Randall McDonald. Randall is a renaissance man, a, a man of um, many talents. He has a lot of wisdom, and he has four beautiful children. And uh, in this conversation, we chat quite a bit about um, everything. We just chat like we always do. And I hope you really enjoy meeting Randall. And uh, his his uh, contact info will be in the show notes if you want to get a hold of him. And I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Randall. How are you doing? Hey, Maureen. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I like your oh, background. You do. I just lost my screen. I flew to Hawaii today. Yeah. I drove over because the, uh, oh my goodness, I lost your window now. I know you're there. I can hear you. I can see you. Nice to be seeing you. Yeah, good to see you too. And in, in, in Hawaii. In Hawaii, yes, indeed. You like that? My kid showed me how to do that. Just one click of the button, and there I am. It's very cool. It doesn't work for me. I'll show you what happens when I try it. Let's see. I don't even know I, how to do it now. I think he said you you got to go down to the bottom left hand. Oh thing, yeah. Stop watch this. Video, or the up arrow. Look, on see. The video. <laughs> Hang on a second. This in is what light, happens to me. I turn into in the right life. In the right light. Sorry. Oh, that's Joe Rogan. I got to tell Joe, I can't come on your podcast right now. I'm doing Maureen's. Go. I'm, I can't believe it. I hope he forgives me. So yeah, you know, I, I think I do know why that's uh, green. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. It has something to do with, anyway, my kid, I know, how, I know how to fix it, sort of, maybe. So, I like my, I, this is my, my new setup though. I don't want to change my background really because no. I have a throw blanket over my shoe rack. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, which is working really well. The only problem with it is that I can't use my throw blanket as a throw blanket. I see. As my favorite throw blanket. Yeah. But what are you going to do? I can't really go out and get what I need right now because we're in lockdown. Yeah, it is. Or you can go and get one of your masks. I got a, I got a box of masks last night. So I'm going to go and distribute them amongst my kids. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Oh, so, look at you. I bought um, yeah. reusable ones, washable ones that just came oh. today. Oh, I see. I do have uh, one of those industrial ones that I just finally unwrapped and it is supposed to be able to remove lead, <laughs> lead paint. Um, it's supposed to be able to filter out mold and also what's that stuff, asbestos and so on. So I don't know if COVID's on that spectrum or not. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. You'll either get it or you won't. You'll either get better or you won't. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. And I heard today on the news that um, Jason Kenney is actually investing in mental health resources because they did a survey. Okay. Turns out people are suffering. Hmm. Who yeah. knew? Who yeah, knew who they'd knew. be suffering? Not wow. that people haven't been suffering for years and years and years, but um, you know it's bad when uh, Jason Kenney's investing in mental health. Let's hope it's not going into mental health research. Let's help. Oh, no, it's, it's going, going into right like right to the source. Oh, it's going to like helplines and things like that. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, words of wisdom, Mr. Randall. You're always you've always got some. <laughs> For those out there who are suffering, what are your yeah, words of wisdom? I am full of it. Uh, this too shall pass. Oh my right. God, that's the same one that I used the other day. Stop it! I didn't hear you saying it, so it's I true. Pull that out of my box of. Uh, positive mental attitude thinking things and so on. So, yeah. And if you need to escape, you know, you know, I'm an audiobook uh, a holic. Oh, I know. Freak. So what are you listening to right now? 
what am I listening to? I just listened to, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? David Goggins. Can't, oh, geez, I, I, I could go and take a look here. He's the uh, guy that was the only guy that went through the Navy SEALs training uh, hell week three times in his life. Or it's the only person apparently in American history. Um, I actually did listen to a biography too uh, of uh, Audie Murphy, interestingly. Um, and he also was military. He was infantry. But do you know who he is? Audie Murphy? No He's idea. A cowboy movie guy from the 50s, but he was the most decorated. Oh, Audrey Murphy. Is it Audrey Murphy? It's uh, Audie. It's Audie. Mm. Yeah, Audie. It's a funny voice or a funny name, Audie Murphy. Hmm. But yeah, a little five foot four guy that uh, his sister had to lie to get him into the military. And the guy was just, um, you know, fearless, bulletproof and, and just, uh, anyway, is the most decorated man in the history of the world in terms of, uh, you know, American people. And he's received awards from many other governments. So I do tend to love to hear stories from real life people. So biographies for sure are uh, what ring my bell. Yeah. You love, you seem to love anyway, real life stories and um, self-help stuff. Like you'll read, and I don't even mean it like self-help, but it's like, um, give me some of the old authors that you listen to. Cause you listen to the, the old yeah, guys. Jim Rohn would be Jim my Rohn. Favorite. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Tony I, Robbins, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack. Yeah. I, I would have to say that um, some people I, I suspect take the word mot- motivational and think it's a negative thing. And I think we all could use some motivation. I consider them all to be just teachers and educators and so on. And uh, you know, one of my favorite sayings in life is if you're green, you're growing. And if you're ripe, you're rot. So, you know, keep on keeping on, keep learning. So I was inspired by a pastor uh, some years ago, a few different pastors, not like I spend all my time in church, I should spend more. But uh, I was inspired by one pastor um, over in Southwest Calgary, who arrived at church one day, I think there was about 800 people sitting there. And I had all of my little kidlets there with me. They were, this is uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago. And uh, he held up his 4,000th book that he'd read. And I remembered you know, sinking into my chair and thinking, oh my goodness, I am 3,995 books behind that guy. And so I, thought I, I thought I better do some catch up. So, um, and funnily enough, another pastor at one time, again, I capture things. I learned, you know, the phrase, you know, capture things from Jim Rohn. And I probably studied him more than anybody, but he said, you know, you've got to capture things. And, uh, this other pastor said, if you, if you want something to be, kind of become a part of who you are, a part of your walk, a part of who, how people see you, you kind of need to hear something. You need to see it. You need to uh, speak it, memorize it, and meditate over it. So hearing it, of course, is going to some kind of a class, some kind of a teaching, a, a seminar, a sermon, or what have you. Um, seeing it is capturing what jumps out at you and putting it down into your own notes uh, speaking it means going afterwards and talking to somebody about it and revisiting what it is that you saw in this seminar, this event, this class, or what have you, and then memorize it. Of course, we all know what that means, and then meditate over it. And I, I know fully he was speaking about praying over it, or you, you know, meditate over something that's important to you. And I, I can't tell you how helpful that phrase was to me. Kind of, I, I literally feel like I was just kind of this empty vessel until I, uh, until I was probably in my late twenties, right? I know not unintelligent, but certainly didn't pursue any kind of an education, but phrases like that, that I captured, I wrote that down and it just, 
resonated with me. And my kids, of course, could recite that, you know, those five things. And one, the same, same pastor, actually, he said, if you can't be a good bookworm, he said, you best become a good tapeworm. <laughs> so uh, anybody that might be under uh, 70 on this, uh, on this video message might not even understand what that means, of course, but tapeworm, he's referring, referring to audio tapes and so on. So there's so much great information out there. And so the first time anybody slid something in front of me and said, hey, um, I've got something for you. I think, I think uh, you'd benefit from you. And I said, yeah, okay, I'll take a look at it. And uh, he said, no, he was looking for my body language. He said, no, he said, this is really important to me. I'm going to loan you some tapes. I said, okay, yeah, fine. I'll take them. He said, no, he said, he said, these are really, really important to me. And I said, oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a listen to them. He said, no, he said, you need to understand something. These are my Jim Rowan tapes. They're my original set. And when I move house, what I do is I take those Jim Rowan tapes. I put the package under my arm. The movers come in, they box everything up. They put it in the box. They follow me over to the new place. They take everything into the house. They put everything in its place. And he says, and then I take my Jim Rowan tapes out from under my arm. I walk over and I put them on my special shelf and, and, and there's a special place on my special shelf. He says, these are really important to me. I said, oh, okay, I'll listen to them. He said, no. <laughs> he said, listen to me. If you're driving home to your house in the country where I lived at the time, he said, if your car slides into the ditch and rolls over and starts on fire, he said, you get in and you get my tapes. And I'm like, oh, this must be really something. And so he had the ability to instill a great amount of importance uh, in an educational piece that just left me curious and kind of spellbound. And so as the saying goes, you know, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And uh, I, I just can't tell you um, where I might've been, you know, I graduated from high school and so on, so on with average okay marks and that kind of thing. But I can't tell you where I would uh, be as a person or certainly as a parent um, if I hadn't have had, you know, some of the guidance that I learned from, from him. But he spoke to some 7 million people when he was alive on, mm -hmm. the, on the planet. And uh, anyway, just a, a brilliant storyteller, uh, philosopher, and just somebody that helps young people to kind of set their sail, if you will. So, mm. anyway. Yes, I'm coming up for air now. I was going to say, this is going to be the first interview where I don't have to ask a question, Randall. This is, oh, my word. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. No, it's all good. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be okay. So. Oh, I, you know, and I, so I, I do some adult education and one of the things that, that occurs to me is that when I'm talking to people, they can sit and they can listen and they can absorb and they can nod and they can take notes and all that's lovely, mm -hmm. but somewhat useless unless they go away and actually do something about it, do mm -hmm. something with it, mm -hmm. um, be determined to change in some way intentionally. So my question for you then is what's the best learning that you've actually integrated into your life from these sources of uh, wisdom that you describe, like Jim Rohn? I, I, the best learning, I, I mean, um, certainly Jim Rohn would be my favorite teacher because he kind of touches on all the notes. He hits every note on the piano scale mentally, if you will. He kind of, kind of talks and speaks right to you. And I, I don't think I've ever listened to anything he's had to say and gone away and thought, now that didn't 
that didn't mean anything to me. I know there are people that that, that's the case. And, Mm -hmm. but again, if somebody's in their hungry cycle, then uh, things that are meaningful seem to mean more. And so um, the reason I'm, I'm uh, saying that it depends is because, you know, there's a, you know, several spokes in our life, you know, you've got certainly health, you've got your faith. If you've got some, you've got, uh, you know, your, uh, your family, right. And family goals, uh, you know, finances, business, uh, relationships, and, you know, life's like a, like a wagon wheel, if you will. And I remember that, uh, perhaps the most useful, um, information that I learned again, kind of sitting at the feet and watching and listening and learning from people that had really set it up and pulled it off. People that had really become accomplished in their, in their, in their field, if you will. And so I can tell you that I remember the very first day that I, uh, uh, became a single dad, you know, and I had four kids, two, five, seven, and 10. And the very first day I remember thinking, I'm ill-equipped. I must learn some maternal skills and, uh, you know, full credit to, uh, moms who can kind of keep the, the wheels on the bus when they're, you know, learning how to be a single parent, because it, there's some learning that's involved. But I, uh, I, anyway, to answer your question, here it comes. The answer is, is that for something like that, I, for whatever reason was directed to, uh, a great radio station out of High River, and I listened to it through the day on my breaks and that kind of thing. And it was uh, 11:40 at that time, but it was a Christian radio station, and uh, it had so many great stories. And I just I remember the um, these classes, if you will, or these interviews. They were by uh, an organization called uh, Focus on the Family, uh, and um, it's not like I Dennis Rainey. And my gosh, this is 20 some years ago. But in particular, that was uh, a Dennis Rainey, and I'll think of the name of it here. But I mean, what happened was they they brought in people that uh, were great storytellers that had become accomplished, and, mm-hmm. and they weren't stories. There were people that had gone through their own bumps and bruises, and, and you know, and kind of worked out how to how to you know be or how to act or how to conduct themselves in in uh, areas of parenting, for example. I had to learn how to be maternal and paternal. I had to, I had to learn how to cook. I remember the first meal I ever cooked as a single dad, turkey cubes and alphagetti. Oh, it was what was there. And then I'm like, it did oh the God. trick, man. Yeah. That day it did. <laughs> and so, but then I had to integrate, you know, grocery shopping and, and, you know, I, I was full time with, uh, you know, one of my kids initially, and then two of them and then three of them. And then eventually four of them, uh, you know, that took some time and that kind of a thing. And, um, never discourage my kids from seeing their mom, but you know, they just kind of go where, where they're going to go. And fortunately I had the ability to have that happen. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that was it. Uh, you know, a Christian radio station that basically, um, said, well, here's what happens. Here's, here's, here's a great way to talk to your, your, um, your daughter, for example, who's 10 or 11 years old. And, and I remember this one clear message was about, uh, a mom taking the daughter kind of away for the weekend, uh, kind of in a retreat style. And the purpose of this weekend was to kind of have a one-on-one mom and daughter and so on and, and really help your daughter to understand, Hey, it's kind of that time where I see boys are talking to you lots. They've got that glint in their eye and they're kind of smiling. And I see they're, they're wanting to be or, or getting to be a little bit huggy and that kind of a thing. And uh, the point of this one story that I remember is, is the mom asking the daughter, have you decided how far you're going to let that boy go? You know, and, and that's kind of a bizarre question that you don't think of as a man when 
your daughter's 10 years old. That's a mom talk. But, you know, and, and of course, most young girls would say, oh, mom, oh, dad, right? I know what I'm doing. You know, when you're 10 or 11, no, but, you know, he's going to want to hold your hand. And then after he holds your hand, you know, he's going to get huggy. And then if he, after he does that, he's going to go someplace and that kind of thing. And if you haven't drawn the line in the sand, if you haven't decided where that's going to go, he will decide for you. And I'm telling you, Maureen, nothing that I had ever experienced in my life could have prepared me uh, to learn or how to have that conversation with my daughter, because right. I knew if it was going to happen, it was going to happen with me. And so I definitely did have that conversation. Yeah. I just put on the mom hat, right? If you will. And uh, anyway, so my daughter, um, my daughter, you know, we've talked about lots of those sorts of things. Yeah. You had yeah. some courageous conversations, I bet, over the years with your kids. Uh, I, I, I have. I've had all of the conversations. Yeah. Uh, they've told me some of them multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> did, did your kids ever remind you, mom, I heard that story or mom, if you tell me that story one more time, I'm hanging up on you. Well, <laughs> well, they haven't, they haven't done that with me so much, but I don't think I, I tell as many stories as you do. You yeah. are a great storyteller. That's one of the things I love about you. Well, you are you. a storyteller. I think you learn through story and you teach through story. And I think you're, yeah. enter, you entertain through story. You're one of the more entertaining uh, storytellers that I've ever met as well. Well, thank you. That's nice to hear. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, big fan of, uh, you know, a good story. And yes, me too. One of the things that, you know, I, I heard somewhere along the way was that, uh, you know, life is full of stories and half of them are examples of how to be, how to do, how to conduct yourself. Yeah. And the other half of the stories are great examples on how not to be, how yes. not to conduct yourself and so on. Yeah. And so you can watch, listen and learn and learn from those people that have, <laughs> had a train wreck and you can also learn from those people that have you know done it right done it well whether again it's a, about education about business about relationships about you know your your path and spirituality and and finances and that sort of thing so great stories on both sides of the ledger well say. we had we've been having family zooms on on sunday nights and i've been asking <laughs> questions so i ask kids lots of questions nice. Or, or they come with questions. And uh, one of the questions was, um, what wis wisdom do you have for people during pandemic? And I actually did say, my kids would attest to this, this too shall pass. Yes. And then um, one of the questions what was, what, what family stories are you tired of hearing? And uh, they said, they said they're, not, they're not tired of it. They love them. Oh, they want more good. of it. I probably don't tell enough stories to them about when they were young and what would you know so they they crave that stuff and isn't that fantastic yeah it is it is nice kids, and, they say to you mom tell me a story of when i was three. Oh, they love it same story oh, yeah. over and over they love it yes what was i like what was i like what was i like <laughs> what did i do you know they love yeah. it so. my kids know my only uh, valuable possessions on planet earth are you know those four big crates i'm going to say laundry basket size uh, uh baskets of photographs because i you know took thousands of photographs when they were younger and yeah. the video footage and that kind of a thing and uh you know I, it's one of those things i just must get them scanned and and so on so uh, because they just reflect and tell so many 
great stories, right? Yeah. And you know, you, you describe this uh, radio show, which I think might still be going. I think I ac- accidentally stumbled on this one day, mm-hmm. um, this Focus on the Family Christian radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you just, you, what I heard you say was that this was some of the most practical uh, advice that you got right when you needed it, when you first yep. became a single dad yes. on, on the how-tos um, yeah. that you desperately needed. And um, I'm thinking about, you know, your kids and the way that you describe some of the things that you did. I remember you telling me once about going to Superstore at night and like you, you had measured your kids like with a yeah. measuring tape kind of thing about uh, what size they were. And you knew yeah. that if a t-shirt was this wide across yeah. and this long that it would fit. Yeah. And so that's how you would do, shop for clothes because it, yeah. you, you had to be fast and efficient kind of thing. Yeah. Well, when you're single parenting, I mean, you just don't, the first time I ever went to a clothing store that had clothes for all my kids sizes and again, two, five, seven, ten, so three, six, yes. uh, eight, and eleven, you know, and they're each in a change room. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like uh it's cat and mouse. Who's gonna come out? <laughs> Who's gonna need to be seen? Who's gonna put something on backwards? And there's people behind me, and I'm realizing this is gonna cause I I'm pretty tough-minded, but this is gonna cause me a nervous breakdown because of course they're too young. Yeah. to be in the change room and that kind of a thing and, you know, looking for clothes. So what I learned to, to do for sure, I think I could save a lot of people, a lot of bumps and bruises in terms of single parenting yeah. uh, life just by, you know, some of the things that I did. I learned to, you know, do grocery shopping. I'd, I'd arrived at Superstore. Why Superstore? Because they had a clothing section. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, at 11, uh, they closed at 11 back then. So I arrived at 1030 and I could every aisle Superstore in half an hour, if you can imagine. But I did carry a piece of paper. This was before uh, the Zorus or the Pocket Pilot, what Palm Pilot or whatever. Anyway, I did carry a piece of paper in my wallet and had all of their sizes, the width of the shirt, the length of the shirt. If the shirt's too long, depends on the age, it's not going to be right. Or the, you know, pants, size 10, 12, 14, 16. What the hell does that mean? It means nothing, right? But if you lay them flat and you would put a tape measure across the pants, well, that's going to fit the waist, right? So you know what they have at home. So you know what you have at the store. Yeah. This is odd, but from the from the back of the top of the pants down to the crisscross, and can I say crotch on here? Yeah. It's going to tell you if it's going to fit their backside or not, and then their yeah. legs. But I had every kid, so four four of their names on the piece of paper, and even shoes. People, uh, I mean, once you find some shoes that have good arches and that fit, uh, you know, if you're in a size five now, uh, size five and a half is going to uh, fit next time when they're ready for shoes or what have you in the same brand. Yeah. But yeah, so I did did things by lists for sure. Yeah. You, and you're very organized. You're, you are probably the most listy person I know. Yeah. I, people have always known I've had some some mental health money should be spent (laughs) on Randall's list. Yeah. Years ago when I worked in telecom, everybody knew what a list freak I was and my, uh, uh, what was outlook back then would pop up and my boss used to call it my get milk screen. He says would pop up bing, 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 bing. 37 screens would pop up that would say get milk, which they didn't. They just had a little fun. <laughs> in but you're a process thinker, right? So you yeah. have lists and you have a process mm-hmm. for all your lists. Like you're the most organized, I was going to say hoarder, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have gone through that phase. I'm out of that phase, by the way. Yeah, good I for am. you. <laughs> I am, yeah, I've purged, purged everything. 
but uh, yeah, so it was, it was over the top. So I did have a guy come, this is again, back in the early days of the internet in 1997 or 1998. And he came running into my office. He says, Hey Randall, guess what? There's a new website out. And I said, what? He said, it's called www.list.com. He says, come with me. And I bolted out of my chair and we ran down to his computer and he typed it in and the screen came up nothing. And then he laughed his ass off because back then, now of course there's a website called list.com. Anyway. Cruel. It's just, it's just kind of a way to get it out of here, get it on the paper. Right? For sure. Yeah. Thinking on paper is a good, uh, good thing to do. So good there for you. Go. you. Good for yeah. you. And you're very organized as well. I know that. Well, I am, but I have to, um, I have some things that work for me, but I had to simplify like the, I've downsized over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and simplified my life hugely. And I feel for, like mentally free. Yeah. Emotionally lighter. Yeah. All of it. Like yeah. the more stuff I have, the heavier I feel. Yes. I hear you. You know, I had four kids too, and we had to live in a big house and we had to do all that stuff. And I have to say, I like, I, I like looking after a home, but I don't mm -hmm. like looking after that much home mm -hmm. and that much storage freaks me out. Yes. You know what, what great news is in that? I think, I think you would agree with me is that your kids have thought, yep, too much. I don't want that. I want a more simple life. Haven't they? Yes. Uh, my kids for sure have because, you know, I had, you know, six of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we had stuff, we had stuff that we didn't know we had. And I mm -hmm. mean, it was, it was actually hard to get rid of. And, yeah, you know, so I've downsized hugely and it's helped me to be organized. And I have a little, like I have, I write, I write everything down. Everything's mm -hmm. in my calendar yeah. or I don't remember it or I lose it or, you know, so like I say, I have to get it out of my head and onto paper so that I yeah. can. Yeah. It frees up sometimes. It's a good thing to do purge electronically or purge on paper. And, and then you can, you know, free up your mind for other more important things for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've written some emails that I've never sent, but I needed to write them <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, purge my brain. But I know they're sitting there. I suspect in a draft box, I probably have some from the, from the nineties. And uh, <laughs> there's something to be said for getting stuff down on and writing it down and getting it out. Right. Just getting yeah. it out. <sighs> yeah. I think it's a Brian Tracy as a me says, you know, think on paper. It's just a big mistake not to think on paper. And so uh, I, I think I, my kids have kind of picked up on that scenario as well. Yeah. So you're a big list maker. Are you a journaler? Um, not in the traditional sense, you know, a journal that would say in this day, this entry, this person, this situation, and so on. I'm always forever telling my kids to, to do it. I have in the past um, journaled in a way where when I was on holidays, I would say, you know, and I'm thinking way back to, right, again, age three, five, seven, ten. I'm thinking Jana, Blairmore dress, um, first first time on the beach in Nanaimo, BC, the ferries in the background and that kind of a thing. And so, and I would put um, just these bullet points from these occasions. But again, it helps you to kind of revive that story, right? And be able to yeah. tell you. So I do that. Funny that, funny that you mentioned that. So I did journal that. Uh, we were driving to the ferry back in my old Volkswagen camper van. I had a Westphalia back then. And uh, Jana would have been, been about three. Uh, and uh, so we we're getting in the queue to the ferry. And there's a woman standing there holding the sign for the ferry. She's got a coffee in one hand. She truly looks like a Barbie. She just looks like a Barbie. She's 
fit and she's got a, a man's white dress shirt on that comes down below her, um, her I think she's a bathing suit bottom and beautiful white brand new running shoes with a sign and a coffee and that kind of thing and sunglasses on. And uh, my boys are all going, like this. and my daughter says, oh, daddy, <laughs> that girl has the nicest hair. And then we're all cracking up. I mean, she's talking about the shoes. The girl has got the nicest pair of shoes. Ever. <laughs> that reminds me, I took my voice. Are you done? Sorry, go ahead. No, so that's journaling. Just the bullet point. The bullet you point. love that. Even if the story becomes a little tainted or twisted thereafter, it's yeah. So I, I guess I used to journal, and now it's now it's uh, more electronic than paper. But anyway. that's funny. Sorry. I tell the story too of my kids when I took uh, Sam and Ben when they were probably like three and four to the circus nice. that in in Peterborough, Ontario. So we go to the circus, and there's a contortionist, and she gets up there in her sparkly little onesie, and she turns herself inside out. She's inside <laughs> out, and. Um, Ben, Ben was like this. Yeah. <laughs> and he turned to me and he said, I think Cy loves her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was awesome. I'm like, uh-huh. Oh my uh-huh. God. How old would he have been back then? Oh, like three. Three. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. He knew. He knew. Oh, yeah. I oh think Cy loves her. Oh, like, that's a beautiful thing. What a great like... <laughs> You've told him that a few times, I'm sure. Yeah. I think Cy loves her. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, you got to capture those old stories because they're, they're uh, not young forever. I do, I do have one. I know I've told it to you in the past, but it's funny when, uh, and again, just a lesson that I caught from listening to somebody that was more of a skilled parent than I was. And um, this lesson, well, was about every time you open up your mouth, you're either building someone up or you're knocking them down with right. your words. And so <laughs> we had just gone through this lesson. And another one I learned was about, uh, you know, the, uh, har- uh, the, the uh, harmony bench. I might tell you about that. But uh, I was in my house and uh, Jay and Jana. So Jana would have been about four, four and a half. And Jay's a couple, two and a half years older. And Jay, they were my two that got at it. Jay was given the pouty lips and even what for to Jana, just being really unkind to her with his words. <clears throat> and I'm in another room and I can see them just kind of in the gap between the two rooms. <laughs> and I'm watching just to see where this is going to go. And uh, he's got his hands on his hips and me, me, me. And uh, <laughs> so I poked my head in his room. I said, hey, guys, hey. And he was a little bit shocked, a little bit shell shocked. And I said, buddy. Do you remember just this last week, we were talking about this very thing. So every time you open your mouth and you say something to your sister, you're either building her up with your words or you're knocking her down. I said, do you know what I'm talking about? He goes, yes, like this. (laughs) Jay's the kid that's giving me the least trouble. He said, yes. And Jana, age four, she throws her hands on her hips and says, yeah, Jay, you were, <laughs> you were knocking me down and you should have been knocking me up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. That's I, couldn't awesome. even, I couldn't even, uh, I just had to leave. Right. I just cracked up and left. And so, so yes. That's like lately. So during, during pandemic, this is one of the things that I've been saying is, yeah. so Sam comes over every day and yeah. we, we hang out and we work out. So he's the only person that I see 
and and that's I've limited my exposure. And so yeah. this is what I've said to him. I've said, well, Sam's the only person I expose myself to. And he keeps saying, could you please stop saying that? Like, <laughs> please, please, mom, <laughs> please stop saying that. Yeah. That is so funny how terminology has changed this generation. Yeah. Right. Knocking somebody up in the UK. Knocking up. Course, <laughs> knocking somebody up means you're going to, you're going to, you know, wake them up. Right. And you're like, what's the other <laughs> yeah. thing? I'm gonna go, what is it? Hang out with and Oh, hook up with. I'm going to go hook up with somebody. And that just means we're going to get together, right? And I know. My daughter's like, when they first said it, you're like, no, no. Please don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Randall, you're, we're one of the guys I would describe as a renaissance man. Oh, don't make me Google that. <laughs> don't make me Google that. I hate when that happens. I'm going to have, okay. Tell me. Right? Well, me. meaning that you ha you're a man of many and varied interests and many and varied career paths? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I've been, I've been fortunate that, um, I, my, my dad worked like a maniac, but he, you know, he had a plumbing and heating company. The guy worked like a maniac. He had a grade eight education mm -hmm. and, uh, I just respect what he did, you know, or how he, how he provided for us. And, and my mom, as she was, um, had seven, I believe me and hip operations. So she was very immobile. So my dad, you know, went to work, did the business and that kind of thing. He usually brought home, I hate to say, uh, you know, uh, restaurant food or fast food or what have you and so on. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was, he was a, a good example of a hard worker, mm -hmm. uh, but he wanted me to join his company. I did, I did it out of just, uh, it's the family thing, do it and that kind of thing. But I really, it didn't ring my bell, didn't hold my attention. And so I went through and got, you know, papers in that, industry per se, you know, uh, journeyman tickets and that kind of a thing. But I was far more interested in doing other, uh, you know, adventures and, and uh, entrepreneurial things. So age 11, pumping gas, right? And age 14, I was operating a caterpillar, you know, a bulldozer, actually, an international 100, you know, in Brooks, Alberta, backfilling outside services. When they're building a new district, they got to put in those pipes that go to all the houses. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I've done, and, uh, I've done a land bank in the past with a friend of mine who is just exceptional. Again, it's usually with people that are really accomplished. I like to hang yeah. with people that are really accomplished and that kind of goes along with the, the biography thing. Learn from people that have watched, you know, watch, listen, and learn. And uh, I worked in telecom startups and um, yeah. spent a dozen years in automotive management and, and I'm still deciding what I'm going to do when I grow up. But just Well, that's the question. Hey, like, I mean, but you know, your dad sounds like, a good example of a man who did what needed to be done, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's what I hear from you when you talk about, you know, your kid, when your your single dad, when they were little, like you did yeah. what you needed to do to get it done. Yeah. You know, and, and it not, not, not in a bare minimum way at all, because I think, you know, when you describe learning to be maternal and paternal, like, mm -hmm. you know, be, and, and, you know, watching them through, through the crack in the room and, you know, taking opportunities to, to teach, you know, them what they needed to know and, and finding joy in all of it. Like it's, it's unbelievable. Like you, you did what needed to be done and you did it really, really well. Your kids are great. Well, thank you. Yes. I, my kids are great for sure. They're all very, very different. And uh, yeah. now I'm trying to uh, close off the tap a little bit and and back out a tiny little bit, you know, because I, I learned the phrase helicopter parenting or umbrella parenting and that kind of thing. And I thought, I thought, and, and I don't have grandkids, I have grand puppies, so I can <laughs> move 
move my umbrella onto those puppies or, you know, my, my daughter, she, I mean, she said some lovely things to me in my life, but she just said, daddy, I just can't wait until you're teaching my kids. And I was like, wow, that was like, that's, you know, okay, take me now. Right. If, 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 if a thunderbolt hit me right now, you know, life would be complete. I'd go out in bliss kind of a thing. So that's oh my uh, gosh. What a nice problem. thing. Yeah. And I could just see you as a grandparent. My God. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You'd be like the I'm perfect grandparent. grandparent. I don't know. We'll oh, see. I think so. Um, so if you could go back to age 18, 19, 20, 21-ish mm-hmm. yes. and start your career in like mm-hmm. all over again, what would you, yeah. where would you go with it? I, I suspect that I, well, I have a friend who had uh, real estate um, or has real estate. When I first met him, I think he had about, he called them doors. He had uh, 15 doors, a fourplex, a duplex, mm. a couple single houses, that kind of 15 doors. Ah, that's a lot of property. And then over the years, he acquired, uh, I watched him grow up to 255 doors. So the guy was passionate about his craft and so on. Um, I would like to say, I wish that I had the uh, desire. It's like when somebody puts something in front of me, you think, ah, I know that would be fantastic for me. It, to answer your question, if I had uh, been immersed in the area of finance, I always thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if one of my kids became an accountant or a financial services person of some sort so that they can understand money and be a, a beacon or a sounding board, you know, for the rest of the family when we, you know, go and spend our money, money and save what's left instead of save our money and spend what's left, right? Little things like that. So I suspect that uh, it would have been to focus on money some more, uh, most definitely, right? As they say, I think I have a saying on my Facebook from Einstein. He says, uh, compound, uh, I forget what it says. Anyway, compound, compound interest is like the eighth wonder of the world or something yeah. like that. Those that understand it uh, mm-hmm. will win basically. And those that don't will get crushed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's it, my, I suspect in that realm, because I think when, what happens, it's, it's like anything. When you take care of one area in your life, it affects everything else. When you take yeah. care of your health, it affects everything else. Mm-hmm. Another phrase, you know, from Jim Rohn, everything affects everything. You know, I think I'll let down, I'll leave my house a mess and, you know, go to work and try and fix the corporation. He says that probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great phrase. He yeah. says, the guy, guy wants to go and clean up the corporation. He can't even clean up his closet. And he's basically, you know, helps you look in the mirror and that kind of thing. So anyway, yeah. fix the finance component. Wouldn't it be lovely to never have to think about um, you know, how to feed this, how to provide for that, how to leave a legacy, you know, that provides for three generations, you know, and things like that. If you fix that early, of course, it takes care of itself. But, uh, you know, I'm seeing you, I'm thinking about you wanting to go into financial planning and, and investing and, and learning how to, you know, make your money, make money. Yeah. But knowing who you are, I would see you also taking that knowledge and applying it to, you know, almost like an underprivileged group. Like I could see you specializing in an area or a demographic that desperately just needed a nice guy to help them. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Oh man, I, I you know you know I see my I see my one of my sons, both of my sons. Um, has uh, 
they're living that. Yeah. They're not just speaking about it. You know, like my son, Dan, he's a frontline um, at um, Hull Services here in Calgary. I mean, taking care of kids that are just hanging on by a thread that yeah. didn't volunteer their way into that scenario that basically got plucked from society because another day and they might not be in society and so on. And just knowing that he's, you know, given of himself and turned himself inside out, you know, to be a, a youth care worker and yeah. to be, he's worked as an Aboriginal youth care worker on the coast and worked with kids with age and, uh, and, uh, and autism and just mental health stuff and that kind of thing. And my other son, Jay, has done dozens of speeches in, in front of high schools, you know, to talk about, you know, uh, really about mental health and about, um, you know, what good comes your way. I mean, he's kind of, he's done talks to help people. The target is to help people to realize that there are safe people around them that will be a safe place to to go or to speak to or to to voice um, when you're feeling at wit's end, at life's uh, like life's going to come to a, a halt. And he's just done so much great good for that. So, I mean, my kids. Uh, if thank you for saying that about me, but my kids live it, and you suspect that of me, and so. <laughs> Maybe I'm living vicariously through my kids or what have you, but they're they're the wow. front line people. So, but just they are, and and I and I do uh, I do know that about them. Mm-hmm. But I can't see you ever seeing someone who who needs a good person to help them and not helping them because you're a good person who would help, who can help and you would, if you could, and, and you do like you, you just, you're, you're like that. And I, th- and I, yeah. and I see your last bit of business that way too. Like, I mean, you provide a service for people, um, a guidance and a service yeah. to people who in an industry that, that, you know, they don't know they, how to navigate. On. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So that's in the automotive industry, basically working for dealer or working for buyers rather than working for dealers and yeah. basically kind of being like their big brother on the schoolyard and uh, running interference and removing all that anxiety. And, and so I, I still, you know, help people with that realm for sure. But um, um, I most definitely, um, now that you say it, I, I, I see the underdogs. I think it probably becomes because, you know, I was kind of left on the outside. I was kind of the last kid picked for, you know, the baseball teams, you know, as a kid, I was a larger kid and, you know, stuff happens with that and some bullying happens, that kind of verbal bullying and that kind of thing. And so most definitely um, my kids leave no uh, kid out ever, ever. No, you are all about inclusivity. Yeah. Just help, just, you know, bring people into the mix, right? Yes. Yeah. And people that I write off and I'm like, well, guess what? Guess what? I want no part of ever again. You're like, well, you know, they need some help and that, and I'm going to keep talking and and I'm like, Oh man, for you. I think patience for that, that I don't necessarily have. Yeah. Or, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or I need to be a patient somewhere to stop doing that. But. No, I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah. It's a real gift, I think, that you have. And so before I knew you, I hired someone like you to help me buy a vehicle. 
Right. Because I never believed when I'm walking into a car dealership mm -hmm. that uh, I'm getting truth. I, yeah, I never yeah. believe that I'm getting, I always feel like I'm being conned. Even if I'm not being conned, I feel like I'm being conned. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't understand the industry. And I, I remember saying, I think I was saying something like, I, f I found a great new site for buying a car. And someone said, oh, what is it? And I said, grabyourankles.com. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> honestly, like I can't I stand it. And so I went and bought, I, I hired someone to go buy my yeah. last two vehicles. Mm -hmm. I think it was two, or maybe it was just the last one. Mm -hmm. What a great experience. And then I met you who, mm -hmm. and, and you provide this service for people as well. And, it, and you end up doing it at no cost to the buyer, which is True. incredible. Yeah. That, well, it's hard to believe actually, but yeah, every dealer on planet earth has a referral fee built into their marketing costs on that car. Mm -hmm. And so dealerships know how many hairs are on your head. They know how many breaths you took when you were in their dealership. They know how many dollars and cents it took them. Today, it took $84.53 to get you to come through the door to have a one in three or one in four chance of getting you to buy a vehicle. Tomorrow, it will cost $211. They know. Believe me, they know. And so what happens is they have a, um, an amount built into every vehicle purchase, but it's built into the marketing bucket, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so coffees, creamers, uh, the website, all of that kind of a thing um, that provides the cost of uh, opportunity. And so what I've um, figured out, of course, is that uh, the masses of people, uh, the masses of dealerships don't provide the referral fee, yet they've accrued for one for every single vehicle. So if a dealership sells 100 vehicles in a month, what happens is that, you know, maybe they pay out one referral fee. And so that's not money that you can negotiate away from them. But anyway, I know that money's there and it comes from there. You can't negotiate it away from them. You can, so you can, anyway, I would typically go and uh, find three vehicles that uh, were what you were looking for. If they're new and they're identical, that's easiest. And just talk to the, talk to the dealers and kind of like a plumber can talk to a plumber and a pharmacist can talk to a pharmacist mm -hmm. because I spent many years there. They understand that what I'm doing is working for the buyer, help them get a better deal than they will on their own. And we just kind of cut to it and, and uh, we've got three bids. Right. And uh, I mean, two months ago I had a gentleman, the dealership that sold this guy a truck. Uh, he wanted to get out of it, wanted to get a bigger truck to be able to pull his snowmobiles, his sleds and that kind of a thing. He needed to go to a three quarter ton or one ton truck. And the, the store that sold him this truck offered him 35,000 for it. And I found another store that would pay him 38,000 for the exact same truck. And that's the vehicle or the place that was going to provide his new truck. And then one other store would pay him 40 grand for that truck. So there's a $5,000 difference. And is it um, shady? I would say not. I can remove the shade and mm -hmm. point some light into every corner because to that one store, it was worth 35 grand. And if that guy doesn't buy it and sell it in 90 days, he's out on his ear. And so in his defense, the guy that offered the least, um, you know, he offered what he thought he could. And the next store thought it was worth a different value, but they have a different audience, different hunger cycle, if you will. And the other store, they're a low margin, high volume store. They need to be because they're out of town. Anyway, it's the same truck. It was worth five grand difference. And so that's what I do. I'll remove all that fluff. We'll find out who's going to pay the most for it on the new vehicle, remove all the fluff, find out who's going to offer the least for it. Yeah. And sometimes the new vehicle comes from one store and the old vehicle goes to another store. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of a double win. Anyway, it's just something I kind of figured out. It's, it's fun to do. Not some, 
it's something I'll probably retire from doing, uh, you know, on a part-time basis, just because I do like working for the underdog. <laughs> and do like yes, the and all well, that. this is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. And so, um, and you've had to pivot a little bit with pandemic and you're doing some mm -hmm. other work in the meantime, because yep. I think car sales are probably slowed down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you're still doing it though, right? You're still available yeah. and yeah. still doing that? For sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and just because I've done all of these things that, you know, and um, many more that we <laughs> didn't talk about, um, direct sales for me, uh, when I became 27, it was the beginning of the learning, this big, massive river of, of education from people that were accomplished and uh, people that had done it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was just the best education I ever got in my life, but it allowed me um, the ability to kind of work, I mean, uh, in, in, and do anything that I would like to. I can't do, a, they won't let me do brain surgery yet, <laughs> but I can yet. probably watch, listen, and learn, right? You probably listen probably. to some audiobooks on how to do it. You probably have would, a pretty good idea. I, I would, the watching part, I think would be important. <laughs> anyway, I mean, listen, if a guy can change your faucet, uh, if he can overhaul your faucets, he's, he could probably do a, a uh, ingrown toenail surgery. You're hilarious. So you <laughs> yeah. were a plumber for a while. Uh, I don't tell that to too many people, but yeah, I'm a, yeah, I actually became a <laughs> certified too late. Gas fitter. Too late. Yeah, There's, I've got about eight now. listeners that now know about oh, this. Oh my gosh. The word is out. Well, you, what, you're going to have 19 listeners on this <laughs> one because I'm going to go and listen to it 18 times just to make sure, you know, I didn't say something I, I shouldn't, which is really happened. But yes. So no, I um, became a, a plumber, believe it or not, the week before I turned 21, yeah. I was a journeyman. And again, that was because I worked in the summers and spent those times with my dad, you know, because he was just such a, he was such a great craftsman himself. So got into it, but uh, I always say it's way more fun to listen to your 68 Camaro and step on the gas and hear it go and work that stick shift than working your Delta faucet. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> overhauled. Yeah, one has the exhaust sound and that purr. Yeah. Yeah, so just wasn't, wasn't my thing, but I did do it. I'm glad I have the experience and so on. Yeah. And, uh, and actually, uh, you know, I, I could have gone the education route that way as well and got a bachelor of education in two years because I was so young. They said, you know, your marks are good and, uh, and you're very young. Would you consider going up to get a bachelor of education up at the university of Alberta? And, uh, I thought, Meh. and uh, I did go up, did look around, did walk around. I just didn't realize nobody's fault, but my own, I just didn't realize that a bachelor of education you know, if it opened a million more doors, have the, the whole hiring world look at you in a completely different way because you have a degree. What's the degree? It doesn't matter. You know, companies want to see that you busted a hump to, you know, get that other couple of years or invest those couple of years to get a degree, right? Well, uh, it used to be that way. I don't know that it's that way now. Yeah, I think there's, they still throw on the filter, right? You oh, know, God, a know. bachelor's degree would, or a degree would be preferred, right? With, with uh, things, anyway, but yes. I don't know. There's so many degrees now. Like I, I, and you're in, in nursing, there's several degrees. Like I, I know you're, you're a nurse, but I believe you've got some other qualifications in there. Well, when I start, first started nursing, it mm. was uh, a three-year diploma mm. way back in the day. Yeah. So I went to a community college and did a three-year very practical uh, diploma program and then went back to school after I had all the kids I went mm. back to school 
and did some distance ed to get my undergrad degree because they mm -hmm. had then switched all the education over to degree program. Mm -hmm. You could be grandfathered in as an RN, mm -hmm. um, but if you wanted to be promoted, they wanted you to have a degree in nursing. And so, mm -hmm. you know, at that time I was doing shift work and, you know, working around my husband's hours and four mm -hmm. little kids and all that stuff. And I thought, this isn't sustainable. I need a day job. Mm -hmm. And if I want a day job, I know I need an undergrad. So I went back to school and got an undergrad. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a nurse manager in Calgary, they wanted me to have a graduate degree. So I did a graduate degree and I chose to do it in leadership, not nursing. I'd mm -hmm. had enough of nursing theory by that time. Mm -hmm. I would taught nursing theory. I'd studied nursing theory. And I honestly, like the caring milieu Mm -hmm. gag like what whatever so I started I studied uh, leadership and and it has opened a lot of doors for me like a, a degree opens a lot of doors like the especially the leadership stuff has op like if you say if you have a graduate degree in leadership they everyone gets pretty people are happy with that um yeah. but I also say like if having said you know I I was a nurse for 25 years mm -hmm. people are happy with that too they don't yes. yeah you know, they don't ask for, you know, did you do a, did you do a degree in nursing or did you do a diploma in nursing? And, you know, they, they want to know where I worked and what I've learned, but, but much like you, I've taken all of that mm -hmm. and I apply it to helping people navigate a system that is difficult. Yes. Yeah. And all of and, those different bits from all the different sources, they learned a ton. Found, right? yeah. yeah. And I, and nursing was great because I could do all kinds of different things in nursing. And so I, mm -hmm. you know, I jumped around a fair bit about every five to seven years, I would switch mm -hmm. my career path. And so I got a pretty well-rounded view of the healthcare mm -hmm. system. And like you, I, I have a soft spot mm -hmm. for people who are struggling and who are, you know, suffering, especially, you know, if I've got some expertise in that area and I can help them that I, especially to navigate a complex system, I do. Well, I would bet as well with uh, everything that's happening in the world that your history, your experience, and with what you do with your business is going to kind of break open itself based on the numbers of people that are just, I think, at wit's end. Wit's end is a nice way to say. Well, yeah, I think so. And I, well, what I'm, what I think about people right now mm -hmm. is people right. who are forced into uh, isolation uh, with so someone with an addiction, for example. So if you are now stuck in your home with someone who's using yeah. and, and wreaking havoc and creating chaos, you know, how do you stay sane mm -hmm. in that environment? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's sort of what my mind is on these days with the yeah. pandemic and, 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 uh, and with thinking about people being stuck in their homes for mm -hmm. months to come. Yeah. Well, I would think there's going to be, uh, yeah, there's going to be a pile up of, of uh, people looking for your help. And I know that you're so good at, at getting to the root of it. That's, uh, it's always been a, a remarkable thing. From the very first day we met, I think we got five layers deep into, into every topic that we, uh, we spoke about and so on. So. Yeah. So what's your prediction? Thank you very much for that. I don't want to skip. Thank you for that. What's your prediction for pandemic? What do you think is going to happen here? I think, um, I hate to say a uh, hundred years from now, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't use that phrase. A hundred years from now, I, we'll be in another pandemic. Sometimes my, my <laughs> kids are wound up or people are wound up and I say, yeah, it won't matter a hundred years from now, will it? And so um, it's amazing that, uh, you know, with the H1N1 and with, uh, SARS and all that kind of a thing. I remember the term. I don't remember any havoc per se and so on. Mm -hmm. 
And so this will certainly be the biggest one just because of the big economy shutdown and so on. So um, I think it's like everything else. Uh, iron sharpens iron. It hones when, when shite happens. It kind of hones you, prepares you, and, and you know, makes you better or stronger, or it doesn't. And so the ones that it makes stronger, I think, will flourish, and the ones that it doesn't, um, you know, I think uh, it's unfortunate. But, I mean, I, mean, I, I guess no matter what, what horrible things happen on the planet, something good spins out of it. So I tend to be an optimist and try and, try and think about, think past, you know, this current situation. So I'm doing the right thing. I'm not doing anything, uh, you know, risky. Um, I am staying out of uh, the masses for sure. I will, you know, protect myself the way that they've told us to. And again, sit at the feet of the people that know and watch, listen, learn and model, right? Do what it, mm -hmm. I, I didn't believe for one second, the whole crap about uh, masks aren't helping. What? I mean, I mean, a six-year-old could figure out, <laughs> forgive me. Hope you're not on the other, are you on the other? Um, this is where we get into it. <laughs> Duke's up, I, Randall. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. No, but I mean, uh, I mean, ultimately, um, if if whether people are breathing out or breathing in, uh, you know, some kind of a layer is a good thing. But anyway, I am uh, I'm not doing any risky stuff. I don't park where it says don't park. I don't go, you know, 90 when it says 50 and that kind of a thing. So I'm kind of trying to toe the line to, um, you know, when you want to be an example for your kids, are your are your kids a little a little more free thinking about that and feeling a little more, I, I mean, I felt invincible when I was a kid. I thought nothing can hurt me. And now, of course, the older you get, the more, <laughs> the more vulnerable, right, we, we become. But are your kids doing that? Are they, are they just being toe in the line completely? And, and uh, you know, just, well, they're all considered you know, essential services. So my kids are all going to work. Mm -hmm. Well, doing their thing. So yeah. they, you know, they, there's some risk involved in that. My yeah. big, my big concern at this point would be my granddaughter because she has some acute medical needs. Mm. And um, even though, you know, kids don't seem to be being put on ventilators and, right. and acquiring the, 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 um, the respiratory issues that adults mm. are, uh, she can become very, very sick with even the slightest fever, mm. cold mm -hmm. exposure. And so, she's my, she's my worry. And so yeah. that's where I'm probably maybe a little bit stringent, maybe a little mm -hmm. encouraging people to be a little bit more careful. And even early on, um, you know, because, you know, my, my, my son, you know, was listening to the news and saying, well, kids aren't at risk. And I'm saying, mm -hmm. but your daughter is, <laughs> Yeah, your daughter is, yeah. um, because of these other issues. And mm -hmm. so, I think everybody's been pretty good, honestly. Like I say, we're having the family Zooms and mm -hmm. we're, we're very conscious of, you know, who are we be going around? Like I say, yeah. Sam's the only person that I'm face-to-face -face with mm -hmm. um, at, at any time. And I know where he's going mm -hmm. and who he's yeah. seeing and he's keeping it to a small circle too. So I, th I think they're all being pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's good. I think, you know, they're... I'm probably, I'm a slow learner is, is mm -hmm. the way that I describe it. And so they're at least as fast as I am, if not faster, yeah. you know, so they're, so that's what I see. <laughs> well, I don't think you're that slow of a learner. <laughs> Maybe you're, sometimes you're, when you were talking about, you know, relationships or what friends and that kind of thing, some people, we all have some, I think that uh, 
are, I love them more over there than I love them here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of people that I, you know, yeah. I, I will put up with behavior, even yeah. though I'm kind of like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. And then I'll put up with it. I'll put up with it. And put up with it and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so then when that person, you know, shows up again, yeah. I'm like, done. Yeah. Whereas, where, where, as you, if they'll come to you, you'll, you'll be like, well, yes, but you're better at having, you know, you're better at keeping the lines of communication open and yeah. still having a boundary. Whereas yeah. my boundary is like, no, you're out. Should have done yeah. it a month ago. Yeah. And so I, uh, believe me, there's some mutual admiration here because, <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, I just, uh, I've told you uh, to, to your face and I would tell the world, my life is better because you're in it, you know, in our friendship and so on. And, and so um, I uh, honor the um, example that you are and, and there's for sure, there's, you know, benefit in the different styles, um, you know, of, of communicating and that kind of a thing. And so again, uh, Anyway, with all due respect to all of those people that are different, varying levels of friendship and that kind of thing, sometimes we can we can have some clutter <laughs> just like in accumulating too much stuff for your house and that kind of a thing. So um, one thing, I mean, that I've told my kids, they understand clearly and I hear in their adult conversation is that, you know, we don't have fair weather friends, right? Right. And so we, we either are or aren't. They're in that zone or they're not. And, you know, I mean, I have a half a dozen people, I'm sure uh, most people do, where, you know, if I was carted off to a jail in a foreign land, you know, uh, four or five of them would uh, do what it takes to kind of come and get me, find me, yeah. <laughs> get me out, break me out, sift yeah. me out, or what have you. And uh, you could just count on them for anything and everything. And fortunately, we don't, you know, we don't have to call on that. But, but, you know, it's, it's, anyway, I just remember saying, saying to my kids lots of times, uh, we don't do risky things. And then I would talk about the example, you know, that just went through and, you know, we don't, we don't have fair weather friends, mm -hmm. you know, frenemies, right? That's really tough with girls. I found more so than uh, with boys, right? Boys call each other names and that's a term of, that's a, that's love yeah. <laughs> between boys. And girls can be charming, charming, charming to each other. And then when they go their separate ways, they're, they're uh, uh, catty. And uh, it's, it's funny that observing both styles, right, of communication. I've, forgive me for doing this. I have a, a great cartoon that I spotted um, a few years ago, and I've told my kids about it. And it was a good example for, for my daughter. And the, the cartoon on top, it was two frames, top frame, bottom frame. Top frame was three guys, hats on sideways, stick men, three stick boys, right? just a quick drawing. And these guys were just hanging out together. One of the guys said, Hey guys, I got to go. And the other two guys said, see you later. And they called him a horrible name. And yeah, you dirt bag, say hi to your hot mom. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And <laughs> so, yeah. and they're, they're insulting him as he's going away. And then as soon as he's at a distance, 10 feet away, 12 feet away, one guy turns to the other. Says, I love that guy. He's the best, but they just pooped on him right to his face, right? Mm -hmm. And then the bottom frame is three girls, three stick girls, curly hair, ribbon in the hair, and that kind of a thing. And they're all together. And uh, they're all, oh, sweetie, you look so, your hair looks spectacular. You look so lovely, da da da, da. You're so beautiful, and da da da, da. And They're just giving each other compliments, and that kind of thing. And one of the girls, like the guys, says, hey, I gotta go, I'll see you later. And as soon as she walks away, she's 10 feet away, <laughs> and the one girl says, 
the other go, that slut, she's after my boyfriend. And the other one says, that bitch, she thinks she's hotter than me. It's a horrible uh, cartoon, but it, it's like, I, I see this happen, you know, between boys and girls. Boys insult each other, that's love. Girls are, you know, anyway. So I agree with you. Was. Historically, I think that there is that gender difference, mm -hmm. but I don't know that that's going to be true, that that's true no, in not the true forever. generation no. or in <clears throat> the next generation. Yeah. But you come up through that filter, right? Yeah. And then you got to, I mean, I, I'm, my daughter's, you know, 25 now. And so she's well beyond that stuff. But, you know, when, when that's happening, when they're 10, 11, 12, and you let your bottom lip down and, and uh, you get kind of, it's like the weak, the weak fish in the, uh, in the, in the aquarium. He gets pulverized by the other fish. And I'm like, oh, don't you got to, you got to smile when you're getting a rough time for the other girls. Don't let them get your goat or they'll, you know, come in anyway. Girls are vicious in adolescence. The, yeah, in adolescence. So oh, anyway, vicious. as they come up through different filters, right? You yeah. got to, you learn how to handle those things. So anyway, we were, so anyway, yeah. sorry, I didn't. No, it's okay. That's it. I, yeah, we could get right into that conversation, but I think, so what, what's one thing that you've learned in the last four weeks that you want to carry forward with you after our freedom is given back? What's one thing that I've learned in the last four weeks that will be, I think, a, you know, a lot of, there's been a cultural change. It will, it will be there for years and years. I suspect we'll eventually mosey back to the point where, you know, 60,000 people will show up at the Coliseum for a, an Elvis uh, or a, no, oh, Elvis, whoa. Uh, whoa, an Elton, up. an Elton concert or what have you. <laughs> Elvis is still alive, by the way. I remember where I was the day he passed. I remember the moment I heard it and uh, I turned around and went to go and tell a group of people anyway. But uh, yeah, I think that we'll go back to, um, you know, we're going to go back to much of the same, just like you know, there's been a plague and there's been a, um, a black plague and a bubonic plague and, you know, all of these things. So I think that, you know, we're going to go back. That's going to take some time to recover. And what, what have I learned in the last four weeks? That you um, will, that you will carry forward. Like one thing that you'll do maybe differently. That I'll do differently. Or think about differently. I don't know. Uh, I, well, I would say, that I try and uh, I probably pushed my kids on the idea of the face masks and the distancing and that kind of thing uh, to the level that uh, of annoyance and so on. So I'm glad that I did it. Um, I'll, I'll not try not to bring it up again in the future and so on. Uh, and of course I hope that, uh, you know, none of them, none of them fall into that uh, path of the virus and that kind of thing. But um, what, what I learned is that, uh, you know, just follow the recommendations. And, and again, don't be a disciple of any one person in the news that's spitting it out about how things should be and when it will flatten out and what you should do and what you shouldn't do and what drugs you should take or uh, drugs you shouldn't take or what have you. Uh, and again, it comes down to um, uh, favorite Jim Rona's of mine. And that is, you know, read three books on the topic and make up your own mind. Don't yes. be a disciple of any one Fauci or what is, what's his name? A doctor. Don't yeah. be, um, you know, on, on one hand, you're seeing him saying, hey, face masks are just for people that, uh, you know, have it, mm -hmm. not to spread it. And then in the same, in the same moment, five minutes later, I'm watching a video of the head guy in South Korea, 30 years, he's been the head of infectious diseases. He's a doctor, he's being interviewed. And I watch him in this three minute section of a 35 minute interview. I'm watching the, um, I'm watching the uh, 
um, oh my gosh, what's it called? Wait, the words in English on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy's part of the conversation was what about face masks? And in 11 different ways, he says, of course, it's better if people have face masks. Of course, the U.S. telling you not to buy face masks. In a very kind and uh, medical kind of way, a professional way, he said, of course it helps. Uh, 11 different ways, he said, of course it helps. Um, and it's just that because, um, you know, the short of supplies are telling you you don't need them. I'd rather, I'm one for the truth. Don't mm -hmm. quote that to me, uh, you know. And so... Anyway, so that's what I, I think I would learn is just don't be a disciple of any one mm -hmm. uh, news channel, any one medical leader who says mm -hmm. this is how it is. Just be a student, keep watching, listening and learning and, and it'll evolve and you'll make the right decisions. Mm. Yeah, That's good. So. Is there anything that you want to promote before we wrap anything this up? I want to promote? No, just stay and just follow, follow the uh, distancing thing is, yeah. you know, would be my word for anybody. And, uh, and, uh, there's no such thing as just, just once I'm going to do it just once. I'm going to get together with like a group of people just once because we just don't know, right. Where it's, what's, what's what, but anyway, you know, nothing to promote other than, uh, you know, if you're green, you're growing, if you're ripe, you're raw, keep learning. I like it. To learn. Yeah. You are, you are a lifelong learner. And I think I'll describe you that way in my um my show notes and if it's okay with you i might yeah. still put your contact information in case sure, someone yeah. is looking at like because people will need new cars new vehicles yeah. in this time and uh, you are a phenomenal uh resource for for people in that regard as well yeah, as in all the other ways that that we talked about here like i thank mean and, I, and i'll put some links into the jim Rohn stuff and the and this um focus on the family and all that stuff too so that yeah, people I'll are interested in that the they'll find one, it um, family like today dennis rainey and i can't remember the other guy's name but i will but okay. that was what it was and uh yeah worth worth researching if you're finding yourself uh empty or hungry or uh feeling inadequate uh in a certain area in your life because anything you ever wanted to accomplish in your life someone has done it mm. and they've done it well and once they become that accomplished they spill their guts and, and they will give you every single note that it takes. They will give you every single thought that's necessary for you to, you know, gather that, gather that skill, right? Relationship skill rather. So anyway, more awesome. Always Randall. Lovely to see you. Always so, lovely to see you. My too. head twice as big as yours or am I just sitting too close? Oh, I knew I should have been sitting back here. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my son, Jay, I said, there's this one girl I know in, in her Instagram. She's always this big. And, uh, <laughs> And I said, I, I keep wanting to block her, but I can't. That's hilarious. I That's hilarious. I'm just wondering how close she can get before she crawls through my phone. Anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Love you, buddy. Nice to see you. Love you too, Randa. We'll talk right. soon. Cheers. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh, You're doing thank a great you. thing. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you very much for listening. I am again your host, Maureen Towns, and I'm the founder of Maureen Towns Consulting. And what I do is I support families who are really struggling uh, to support people in their family or people that they love who have mental health and addictions issues. And I help take those families from chaos to calm. My work is based on my 25 uh, plus years working in healthcare as a nurse, both in the public and the private uh, system in both Ontario and Alberta, and also my education and facilitation in leadership. 
uh, and also my success and my failures as a mom supporting children with mental health and addictions issues. And you can read all about those issues and how I came to know what I know and all the things that I wish I had known years ago when I began the journey with my kids uh, in the book that I'm going to publish this year called Broken Open. Same name as the podcast. Um, you can find me at maureentowns.com. Uh, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to chat with anybody. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, subscribe and share widely. Take care of yourself, my friends. Bye.